What it do, baby? Yes, sir. You know what it is. It's time for a little time to Jets right here on Apple, Spotify, or Amazon, wherever you happen to be listening to us. And of course, while we're just getting started here, I would love to take the time to remind you once again to hook it up with a five-star rating if you have not done so already. We appreciate it over here. Like we always say, it keeps the lights on. And of course, subscribe if you want to see whenever these episodes are going to be dropping onto your podcast feed. Obviously, I do need to do some apologies. This is a a late entry here. Unfortunately, some things came up yesterday. Well, maybe not unfortunately, but just things got very crazy yesterday for me and over the last two days in general. So I just want to apologize for the tardiness on the podcast and just say that, hey, we back at it. It's Thursday and the Jets are in London, England, man. Whoa. Who would have thought that the Jets would be going to London one and three with a W over the Tennessee Titans in that week four beauty. And I'm still buzzing after that game, guys. I got to be honest with you. That was was a hell of a performance from this offense in the second half. And, I mean, honestly, from that touchdown drive going forward in the second quarter, the defense played masterfully for, you know, giving up 155 yards to Derrick Henry. They played a great game. And they truly are solidifying themselves as a Ben don't break defense you might see them give up some plays you might see them you know give up a couple of first downs that you go damn you know why are you playing such soft coverage but they're keeping things going they're keeping the ball rolling and so far so good man they're looking like a really good really strong defense and I'm so proud to be watching a team that I can actually root for. And that's one thing that I that I remember, not remember, but just looking at being a kid, rooting for the Jets and just being happy and being like, wow, we got a chance this year. You know, the, mostly because of the naivety of being a child and not really being too up to date on what the team is and where they can truly go. But to be an adult and have that same type of enjoyment, that same type of feel Going into games right now, it, it's great. It, it it feels like we have chances again. Sunday was fun to just cheer. It was fun to just be a f- happy fan. <laughs> Not just an angry looking at the TV and in the third quarter being like, oh, whatever. You know, this is just, this is on. This is something to watch. That was entertainment at the highest level you could imagine. And the crowd, I mean, I'm a big big believer that crowds make moments and the crowd in that game was absolutely unbelievable and they made that they made that comeback possible they made that win possible they showed out for those players and the players they showed them some love right back that's what I expected week two against the Pats to look like it didn't go that way but you know what like I said things are looking up and with this defense I mean, this team can go a lot of places. <laughs> maybe maybe not to the playoffs, but this team is going places. They're young. They're talented. There's a lot of players who are under team control for the next couple of years. So you got to keep an eye out on this on these guys over here, man. There's, there's going to be some good things. And Co- Coach Sala, 
Oof. Good for good for him. Watching that video after the game, seeing him get to give out those game balls, get a game ball of himself for himself. I mean, that was just uh, it was good to see. It was good to see a new Jets coach having some success and having some love from the players, the owner. I mean, you heard Woody Johnson say that was the greatest day in his football career. I think that's a little a little over the top, but at the same time, when you look at it, he probably felt that way in the moment because he felt wow. You know what? We're not as terrible as as we might have been looking for a second. We might not be heading down the same road of drafting a quarterback in three years. Because you know what? Zach Wilson got to have a good game. Zach Wilson got to look good. Zach Wilson got to do his thing. And there'll be more on Zach Wilson later on. But I'm still just reveling in that moment. And I got to tell you guys, we got to enjoy this. And we got we to gotta keep looking forward. Look to what's next. And that's Atlanta on Sunday. That's gonna be that's gonna be a fun one over there in London, and a little programming info or a little programming change for this weekend. Since it's going to be a nine thirty game on Sunday morning, the pregame podcast for Tom the Jets will be dropping Saturday. So keep an eye out Saturday afternoon on your podcast feeds on the Twitter machine at ZooBeard77, where you can always hit me up with your thoughts. Let me know what you're feeling about this team, how you think that they're looking, what you think the future could hold for them. Is this now a turning point? Do we see a new Jets team the rest of the way? What do you think going into London? Hit me up at ZooBeard77, and remember you can, uh, if you don't have a subscription to the pod, if you aren't subscribing to the podcast, I'm acting like you don't have a subscription as if you pay for this. Yeah, this is this is free content, but if you uh you know if you don't have that subscription going, please subscribe. If not, follow me on the Twitter machine at Zubeard seventy seven. We get things done. It's a fun time over there, and I just got to be honest with you. One last thing: I'm a Knicks fan. There's gonna be a lot of Knicks content coming up on my uh, Twitter page, so go check that out. And I got to compare this Jets. Win on Sunday to watching those Knicks win last year because it just felt so natural. It felt so organic. And it felt like they built it up properly in order to get to this situation that we are now. It felt like this is sustainable and we can do this again. And I love it. I love when you get to see something like that. It's not just two guys that you went out and got that might not be a part of the long-term plan that are doing big things. It's a lot of guys that could be part of the long-term plan or that are showing that they should be part of the long-term plan. And that's when you start to have fun, people. That's when you start to have a lot of fun. But one guy, and I do have to dive into this to start out. I mean, before I get to some praising for some of these, uh, some of these guys on the defensive side of the ball and talk a little bit on Zach Wilson and... Uh, and how the play calling and you know that performance on Sunday might change his uh, opening of the playbook the rest of the way. But before I get to those two things, I do have to discuss Marcus May. Because I was at a concert on Monday night when the Marcus May uh, news dropped of the DUI arrest back earlier this year down in Florida. Um, I saw Connor Hughes of The Athletic. He was uh, tweeting out his uh, or description of the police report. Not a great police report. I'm not going to get into it because that's not my place. Uh, this is a human being's 
legal issues, and in my opinion, those are things that should be handled privately. However, the public thing of it is the fact of the arrest and what transpired, and you hope that you hope that for Marcus's sake, you know, one, it's uh, it's good that nobody got hurt, and including himself, although there was an accident. He should be happy that nobody uh, nobody got seriously hurt, including himself, and that's a good thing. That's a positive. But this is uh, this is tough. A guy who's in a contract year, I mean, a guy who I've been sticking my neck out for, who I've been saying the Jets should and have to resign. It's hard to say that's a possibility or even going to happen now because this is just such a big, big situation to keep down on the low uh robert sala apparently didn't know about anything until this week with this situation uh marcus he's dealing with the injury right now with the ankle he should be back possibly for week seven which is right after the bye which is in two three well two weeks here i don't know if that's possible i don't know if that's a i don't know if that's going to happen might be a might be another week after that or maybe two after that but this is a bad this is bad this is bad for Marcus hopefully he gets the help he needs if he needs help the harshness of everything is going to be dealt with for Marcus like he's going to deal with the harshness and the realities of this situation trust me that's that's just the law so for me to come on here and crucify him and kill him and you know, say that he should never play in the league again or whatever ridiculous comments that people like to make when stuff like this happens at first. Um, I'm not going to do that because I don't believe like that. So I hope Marcus gets his stuff together. I hope he's good. And, I mean, I just don't know if that's going to be with the Jets. This happens. This comes out. You're, yeah, you're not coming back. That's just, I mean, and it's not a, it's not a thing where, it's not a thing where this is, this is for every player where this happens, but when you're in a contract year, you know it, your agent knows it. I mean, in March, you were still negotiating or in earlier this year, you were still negotiating. You were still trying to get that long-term deal. So to do something like this and put yourself in a situation, it's just not good. And I'm going to stop right there. Because I do want to talk about the goodness on this team right now. And the goodness in that secondary that was uh, working their asses off right now in order to uh, make sure that Marcus May's presence is uh, not missed. And, you know, like I said, we wish Marcus the best and we hope that he uh, takes care of everything for himself and for his family and, uh, you know, gets himself in a better position. But we're Jet fans and this is a Jet podcast, so we focus in on the team. And the team is playing good right now that secondary is like i said replacing marcus may they're doing their thing the jets haven't let up a touchdown through the air from corners this entire season that's something that's something to look at maybe you're going to yourself right now what are you talking about zoo robbie anderson ran right across the middle for a 50-yard bomb you don't remember that you don't remember robbie and sam hooking up for a tutty in week one yes i do but that wasn't coverage from corner. So technically, it's not a touchdown from a cornerback. Although, you know, 
anything in the air, I think, should be put on the secondary. It's not how it's done in the league anymore, so that's a stat we have, and that's a stat we're going to hang our damn hats on, because that's what we do. That's what you do with these stats today, people. They're not there for the nerds. They're not there for, you know, all the analytic people. No, they're there for guys to be like, hey, you want to say I suck, y'all? Oh, you you didn't see this, you didn't see that? Hey, well, look at this uh, average snap count to how I perform. Hey, you know, you see that now I look real good, right? Oh, how about that adjusted completion percentage? You know what I mean? That looked pretty damn good. They're selling points for guys. The more stats there are, the happier people get. And the happier we should be. Because, you know what, we not only have the stats, but we have the defense to back it up through four games, of course. I mean, now you can't put too much into these because you haven't taken on A.J. Brown or Julio Jones in any of these games. You haven't gone up against a truly elite receiver, but, I mean, D.J. Moore and Robbie Anderson are two top thousand receivers, or two top thousand. That's awful. I mean, most all the receivers in the league are top thousand receivers, but <laughs> those are guys with thousand-yard seasons. They're legit. Those are, those are legitimate receivers over there. So there will be more tests coming up, and this is going to be one this weekend with Calvin Ridley. But, I mean, that stat right there is absolutely insane. So I had to dive into this secondary a little more. Check out what maybe I'm missing with these young corners. And, I mean, these are some young corners that are playing majority of snaps for the Jets. You got three rooks and a second round, ah, second rounder, a second-year player. And that second-year player, Bryce Hall out of Virginia, who came in injured after a tough, tough injury in the Orange Bowl his senior year at Virginia, he's balling right now. He is playing his – I could not have expected this out of Bryce Hall this soon. I thought he was going to be a really good player. I thought he was going to be a guy who could potentially be a starting corner in this league and a good one at that. Maybe not an all-pro, well, but definitely not an all-pro guy. I never saw that. I didn't really think he'd be a Pro Bowl-level guy. But right now, he's playing at the level of both of those. I mean, I'm just taking a look at some of these advanced sabermetrics, and we have ourselves a 50% completion rate on 14 targets, which you might be going, oh, that's not that good. The completion rate is third in the league. And the targets are the second lowest in the entire league. 14 targets is pretty damn good to have a 50% completion rate on. Because that means people aren't even throwing the ball at you. And you might say to yourself, oh, well, you know, that's because the Jets have other corners who you can pick on. And sure, you you there are. There are guys that you can pick on. But... Bryce Hall isn't at the level where you just don't throw at him. I mean, that's that's ridiculous. So where your comment might be that there are other players to pick on, my retort is Bryce Hall isn't a cornerback coming into this year that should strike fear into uh, opposing quarterbacks' eyes. You know what I mean? He's not Gilly Lock out there who the Jets messed up by not getting. But, I mean, Carolina... Shout-outs to them. They're going to be a top-five, top-three defense in this league at the end of the year. It's incredible what they did down there with Matt Rule, but that's the past. The past is the past, Jets fans. Don't worry about Sam. Don't worry about Matt Rule. Don't worry about Robbie Anderson. They're in the past, guys. 
This is the new team, and we're moving. And we got boys that are playing their asses off. Bryce Hall, man, that's a, that's a big one right there. And I got I got to also mention for him, second fewest receptions and yards. He's given up seven catches for a hundred yards through four games. It's pretty damn good. Giving up twenty five g- yards a game. The dude's a baller. And he's coming along way quicker than I could have imagined. Now, he's going to start getting tested the rest of the way through. Like I said, you got Calvin Ridley this weekend. He'll probably draw that assignment for the most part. I will be watching very intently to what Bryce Hall does this weekend. I don't want to give away any players to watch early on in the game, early on in the week, but Let's just say uh, keep your eye on Bryce Hall on Sunday, right? The other the other corner, though, that is, uh, should not be subdued in all of this is the Rook out of Duke. And that's the man, Michael Carter. Not Michael Carter running with the ball, but Michael Carter, the cornerback. And I was talking about him early on in the year. He was making big hits. Just doing good things on coverage. You know, maybe he was giving up some catches, but it didn't feel like he was too far off. It didn't feel like he was lost out there at any at any moment, at any part of the game. And it felt like he was able to cover the space that he needed to in order to make certain or in order to recover and make certain plays that he didn't make before. Now, I look at the stats for Michael Carter. And what do I find? Well, the number one thing that I found that blew my damn mind out of the water is that he is second in the league for slot corners for yards given up. And that's 72 yards on 13 catches. Now, 72 yards is pretty freaking good. 13 catches is a little much, but you put those together... And that's a really, really low yards per catch total there for Michael Carter. And I think the kid is playing his ass off. And you got to give him credit. He's the, he has the most snaps of any corner in all of the NFL for having not given up a 15-yard reception. And that speaks to what I was just talking about. He closes the gap. He makes tackles. He might give up a catch. But he's not letting you get much yak on it, and he's not going to be able to, not going to be able to. He's not going to be letting you get behind him. That's a sign of a good corner. That's a sign of a really good corner in this Rob Sala scheme defense. I mean, this is this is a dude right here. And him and Hall, young guys, dudes on their rookie contracts, they're gonna be here for a couple of years, people. This is the future of the secondary. This is the future of the defense. And it's looking real good right about now, especially especially when you look at the front over there and Big Q coming alive because you can't mention pass coverage without mentioning the defensive line. And Big Q is playing, playing like a man possessed out there the last two weeks. I mean, three and a half sacks, getting to the quarterback, making things happen, big plays, seven tackles on Sunday. I mean, just in the mix, like my man Tommy Lugauer, 
And I mean, this is good to see out of Quinnen because I was starting to get on his case big time this year. I was saying how he's starting to look like a bust or a dude who's not a game wrecker, a guy who's not about that life, not about going out there and changing the game, making plays, getting to the QB, more about eating blocks and being a guy who clears up lanes for other dudes to make plays. That can't be who he is. And he said, you know what? You know what, you big zoo mother effer? Um, go F yourself, bud. You need, you need to shut your mouth because I'm going to start going out here and balling. And he's doing that exactly. I am so happy, so happy to see Quinnen Williams playing like this because the Jets have needed Quinnen Williams. And, I mean, maybe we didn't know we needed exactly Quinnen Williams, but he's the defensive lineman this team has been searching for since Jonathan Abraham. And the, the best thing about it is you also have Jonathan Franklin Myers on the outside wreaking havoc with three sacks already this season, getting in behind the line of scrimmage, tackles for losses, playing a strong defensive end position. I mean, just from just from an IQ and a positioning perspective on the field, literally, I'm saying his positioning as a player on the field. That, I mean, he's he's elite. He is an elite-level defensive lineman in this league right now. And you talk about there's a potential the Jets have two, two elite-level defensive linemen. That's that's what I'm talking about, baby. That's what I've been looking for for these years. This defense is so good. And they're going to get tested in the air, and they're going to get beat up in the secondary because that's just what's going to happen. But they have so overperformed their expectations to this point that they deserve the credit that they should get. They deserve to be thought of as guys who can go out and win you a game. They deserve to have the confidence of a coach that they can make a stop with two minutes left in the game, although they weren't able to this week. But you know what? You keep giving them that chance, and they're going to get it done. Because that's who these guys are. That's who this coaching staff is, and that's what they do. They make plays, they don't overcommit, and they play their game. It's really fun to watch, and I was just I was happy to dive into the stats a little bit here going into this Falcons game in London. I just I had to check it out after after Sunday, and after I'm starting to see all these all these tweets about how the Jets secondary is not giving up touchdowns or the Jets corners haven't given up touchdowns, I just had to go, okay, let me check this out real quick. And I was pleasantly surprised, pleasantly surprised with what I saw. It wasn't just like, oh, yeah, they're doing pretty good. It's like, hey, these dudes are playing like the best in the league right now. So put some respect on Bryce Hall's name. Put some respect on Michael Carter's name. Michael Carter, oof. Yeah, we're going to keep an eye on both of those guys going forward. Young Bulls making things happen. But, I mean, we go from the defensive Bulls to our man, Zach Wilson, who I just want to quickly, I want to comment on that performance. And, I mean, shout-outs to Mike LaFleur for doing what he did in terms of coming back after terrible, terrible games to start the year and pounding the rock and having creative runs as well jet sweeps little short dink passes i mean 
the guy made the right calls, and Zach was able to make things happen. There were a couple of bad drops early. You know, you have Corey Davis dropping them. You have some penalties that are killing drives. It looks like the same old crap, only this time it looks more like the Denver game where the players decided not to show up. And then all of a sudden, all of a sudden, you get a little, you get a little prayer. You get a little fire started. And Zach takes the team and they go and they pound it in with Michael Carter running back. And he gets a tutty. And then all of a sudden, you're off to the races. You're using everything in your playbook. You're starting to call rollouts. You got Zach rolling out, call, waving Corey Davis downfield. You got Zach just looking. Oh, okay. I got him wide open now. Oh, I see where this corner is. I know this route's going to be open. He's starting to see things. That was on the Keelan Cole pass to the sideline, by the way. He is starting to get it. And, I mean, this is a good thing, people. This is this is really quick after a disastrous start. You know what I mean? Like, that's what's so good about it is there was – it was an absolute disaster that Zach Wilson was looking at coming into this year and – or not coming into this year, but coming into that Tennessee game. And he was able to completely turn it around to the point where we're all going right now. Zach, yeah, he's the man. He's he's good to go. He looks, I get it. I get the Pat Mahomes comparison. Like, he's comfortable. He's back to himself, and we need to keep him there. We need to keep calling the offense like this, Lefleur. Keep it up. Don't let up on him. Don't get him. Don't make it easy until you have to make it easy. This is where he needs to be. This is where he can thrive. Let these plays be called. And this team can be a good offense. There are pieces here to be a good offense. The O-line, I'm going to say until I'm blue in the face this year, needs to be improved. And I'm almost 100% sure that another offensive lineman will be drafted for the Jets in the first round this year. Almost 100% sure that will happen. But... You can't wait until then. Try to do what you can do right now. But in the meantime, keep rolling Zach out and showing everybody why there are Patrick Mahomes comparisons to him. Why there are Russell Wilson comparisons for him. Because he can gun that ball on the run like nobody I have seen in a Jets uniform. He can throw the ball on angles on the run like nobody in a jet uniform has ever done. He is the most talented and gifted QB the Jets have ever had. Off the bat, straight up. He might not be the tallest. He might not be the quickest. He might not be the most accurate. And he might not have the best arm strength in the pocket. But he's a dude that when you make the right offensive calls for him, and you put him in the right place, he is going to make big things happen. And I'll say it right now. I'll put it on the tape. Zach Wilson will be in the MVP race within the next five seasons. He will be one of the two guys pushing for the award come the end of the year. Put it down. Write it down, everybody. Put it in the books. Remember, you can tweet it at me. You know, hey, 
at Zubeard77. You idiot. You told me Zach Wilson was going to be the guy in five years, and you know now he's not here. If that happens, tweet it at me. If you want to tweet at me right now and let me know, you know, I'm an idiot. You think I'm stupid? Let me know. I'll get right back at you. Let me know what you think on Zach Wilson on that Twitter machine, though, all right? Just hit me up on there. I'm there for you. I'll, I'll answer. We'll get at it if we have to. <laughs> I don't shy away. But, yeah, that's that's just... I'm excited to see what Zach can do this weekend, and I have full confidence again in him going forward. Uh, with that being said... I want to chat quickly. Injury report. Littered. Littered with guys right now. I think a lot of that has to do with, you know, obviously it was a physical game on Sunday, but also the travel to London definitely set these guys up not for success. Um, Hopefully you start to see these guys come off of the, uh, the injured list going forward. I, I think they will. I think the injury report by Sunday will look a little bit better. You'll see a lot of guys turn into probables or game time decisions from DNPs and limited practices. So keep an eye on that going forward. I will. I'll uh, let y'all know on the Twitter what happens there. Any big outs, any big ins, I'll let you know. Big weekend, though. Big time. We're over in Jolly London, eh? So with that being said... Uh, there's really nothing left to say. I mean, hook it up with a subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or Amazon, wherever it is that you're listening right now. Appreciate you. Follow me on Twitter at Zubeard77. And yeah, everybody, it's time for me to jet. And until Saturday, when we will have our pregame podcast posted, remember it will be on Saturday, not Sunday, because of the 9.30 start for the Jets on Sunday in London but until then I must bid you adieu and peace